and welcome back to What You Talking, the Burbs edition. As always, I'm your host, Mike. And I'm Ruby. And today we wanted to do a run through one of the episodes of Run the Burbs. Of course, I mean, it'd be nice to do all the episodes, but <laughs> we're kind of time restricted these days. So I definitely wanted to do one of the funniest this season uh, for me, which was Raccoon Fever. Um, for a lot of reasons. And, you know, why don't we just dive into it? So I broke it up into three sections, which seems to be the thing with burbs, which continued from Kim's or however you want to look at it. I guess it's a comedy format in general. Yeah, Two or three I wouldn't say it's a continuation. It's just, it's its own, it just happens to be starring one of, yeah. <laughs> one yeah, of uh, Kim's funniest. Um, and also the first that I've really tried to digest. Uh, <laughs> so maybe that's why I look at it that way. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the absolute funniest for me was the raccoon part of it. So I call this the Revenge of the Raccoons. And uh, yeah, just before we get into this, this is going to be full of spoilers. So if you haven't seen <laughs> seen this, this is your spoiler alert warning because everything is spoilery. Um, but yeah, just to give some background, Andrew starts off the series as a stay-at-home dad who's living his best life but we can see right from the get-go that the kids are growing up fast and actually if you do look at like differences between episode one and the last episode of the season they're physically growing up they're not and they're actually looking older but they didn't film it in order true but somehow <laughs> they do look older i don't know uh maybe it's because andrew pointed that out uh, that I started to see it, but yeah, they, they, well, at the very least, they look a lot more comfortable in their roles. Oh, for sure. Like, you can tell, like, how the chemistry of the kids have really shined through, like, the whole, whole season, pretty much. But yeah, like, because we, we know the background and we, we've heard all of Andrew's lives, yeah. <laughs> we know that things were filmed out of, out of order, obviously, just like any other show. And sometimes, you can see that like there's there's a maturity to certain episodes that mm -hmm. other ones that may follow might not have absolutely so yeah just around halfway down the season andrew decides he wants to go back and finish up university college which he only had like uh he was like a credit short before they had their first kid and he decided you know i'm gonna be a stay-at-home dad and, and by the way when you say andrew it's because Andrew is also the name of the character. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's a spoiler to you, you really haven't watched the show. <laughs> and fun fact is that originally they were uh, they were going to use Andrew Fung as the name of the character as well, mm -hmm. uh, but they decided to change it to Fam uh, for one reason: is that it allowed for more puns. <laughs> yep, and uh, I think the another reason was privacy, sort of, right? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. to separate, like, Andrew Fung from Andrew Pham. And there are uh, there are differences between the two, but there are a lot of similarities, too. Um, <laughs> which, I don't know. I don't know if we have time to really go into that. But So, uh, in this episode, we jump forward a bit where Andrew is, at this point, already back in school and working on a project with his team, which he is calling Team Dragon Fist, <laughs> which... Guess it's a bit of an Easter egg because Andrew is a hardcore fan, or I guess he's a casual fan of Street Fighter 2. And <laughs> Dragon Fist is 
I guess it's yeah, it's the name of one of the moves that Ryu oh. and Ken does the uppercut. Oh, I didn't know that. So when I heard that, I'm like, oh, this is an Andrew thing. Okay, that's cool. Um, well, he is one of the writers, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Throwing in little bits of himself in there. And he offers to take the hardest part of the project, which, you know, pretty ambitious for a guy coming back into school, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually it's the, the go-getters that really want to be doing that or people just not doing anything in these projects where somebody just has to take it up. Yeah, but he also explains in the episode that it's because he has the most experience. He he already knows exactly what that part is and what he needs to do. So that's why he took it up. Exactly. Exactly. And then the raccoons hit. <laughs> which, do we need to explain what a raccoon is? I mean, because this is an international audience here. Wow, you're international. That's crazy. Well, raccoons, as our two-year-old likes to call it, also a panda because it has those black eyes around. It's, it's, um, it's like a pattern that all raccoons have, just like pandas, except they are a type of rodent, right? Like a gigantic <laughs> rodent. So, for the purposes of the show, I actually took the definition oh. from Encyclopedia Britannica. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is it worth reading this? I'll read half of it. Raccoon, also called ringtail, any of seven species of a nocturnal mammals characterized by bushy ringtails. The most common and well-known is the North American raccoon, which ranges from northern Canada, that's us, and most of the United States southward into South America. It has a conspicuous black mask across mm. the eyes and tail that is ringed with five to ten black bands. It goes on to talk a little more about other features, but yeah. that kind of gives you the the sense of what it is. It's exactly. also effectually known as a trash panda. Yes, it, it actually is called a trash panda because they love the trash cans. Well, I guess <laughs> they technically love the compost bins because that's where the food is. So uh, why this was a little more funnier funnier for me is because if you don't know or don't follow andrew on instagram is because he has had an ongoing battle ever <laughs> since coming to toronto with the raccoons in his area mm-hmm. in his part of toronto where <laughs> literally they are um attacking his bins and getting into his food yep. and he's been having to work through several kind of solutions to to figure out how to keep them out yeah so the raccoons make a mess whenever they go through your trash or your compost what they do is they usually knock it over in order to get the bins open and of course you can imagine a compost bin has not the pleasantest of things that you want to clean up all over your driveway <laughs> Yeah. So they will ravage through it. And if there's anything in plastic bags, they will break it out. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, when you wake up in the morning and that's what you come out to. Yeah. Not fun. I read somewhere, too, that raccoons are able to remember how to solve a problem for up to three years after oh, wow. figuring it out. So Didn't they, he say that the lifespan is only two, though, in the show? <laughs> I'd have to go back to my thing on Encyclopedia Britannica. I don't remember if I saw it, but I think it is longer than that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, considering how much... I mean, they have a nice source of food from, <laughs> from people us, like us. I mean, we've had our own problems with raccoons. Oh, yes. Ours are insane. They're, they're not even nocturnal here in our neighborhood. <laughs> I've seen one sunbathing in our neighbor's lawn. Yeah. Our front lawn. <laughs> and the thing is, even when you try to chase them away, 
especially the one in our neighborhood. I remember he was walking down an alleyway like, hey, what are you doing? Get out of here. And then he's like, he looks back casually. He goes and he starts waddling down a, like a very, like in the middle of the day, just a path. He's waddling away. And it's like, <laughs> you aren't scared of us at all. Nope, not at all. And I think recently, well, you caught one. In oh, broad yeah. Day. I was just looking outside our window to see if they picked up the trash yet. And <laughs> I saw this giant butt staring at me. And I'm like, what is that? And it was in our recycle bin. Yeah. So I was like, wait a minute. Rings on the tail. That's a raccoon. So I tried to shout out the window. I'm like, hey, get out of my trash. It completely ignored me. I went downstairs and I opened our garage door. And it got out of our recycle bin. But it just kind of stood there and stared at me. And I'm like, get out of here. And as I approached it, that's when it started to waddle, as Mike explained. Slowly away from me and into our neighbor's backyard. Yeah, there, there's no fear. There's no fear of these no. guys. I think that if this was the countryside, they, they, they would have no chance. They would be scurrying the hell out of there. But like in the burbs, especially, it's just like, well, this is my buffet. I will go to you today, <laughs> and I may come back to you in a few weeks. I'll go down. I'll go down the street. Yeah. And for next week. And, you know, I'm going to fatten up because that's my life. Well, if they can remember how to solve a problem or a puzzle for like up to three years, I would think that they would remember what foods from which house are more to their preference. You know, it's funny. I find (laughs) that ever since having a kid, they hit us less. I think it's the diapers being mixed in with all the other compost. It's just like not touching that. Yep. Maybe it's the the babies and the the predatory pee that they have in their diapers. Our baby poop is just very smelly. Yeah. Our toddler poop is very smelly, I should say. Maybe it's the toddler poop. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, from the story, we find out that Andrew Pham has had these problems since 2004 as a student and (laughs) animal control had to move them but he's convinced that they're all out to get them that they pass these stories from generation to generation (laughs) and um and they've beaten his at this point his floodlights his rope measures and they eventually get to his other neighbors because i remember he had asked for help from hudson who's Mm -hmm. played by jonathan langstrom Langdon. Langdon, right. Mm -hmm. And he's asked him twice, first saying, you know what, I don't need to worry, they're vegan, so he wasn't attacked. (laughs) Then then, then they attack him, and then he wants to be part of, I guess, the next wave of it, and then he backs out (laughs) when he learns about Operation Lemonade. Yeah, that name is a little deceiving. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, one of my favorite lines of this episode delivered by jonathan was um shall i get more rope it was just the the conviction into it because like when you have these raccoon problems you just you just want to deal with it you just want to get it done and yeah following that line was andrew's line of no we get our hands dirty by researching effective and humane raccoon removal methods (laughs) you know i mean in a comedy show i guess you'd expect the main character who's upset at all this to go, you know, bear trap or... or something crazy. Something nuts. And then, yeah. you know, they go the funny route with that. Mm-hmm. It is still a family-friendly show. <laughs> <laughs> or meant to be, right? 
And then that leads to Operation Lemonade, which of course was meant to be Coyote P. But um, how do you get that? <laughs> yeah, how do you get that? So uh, they, as they said, they went to more local sources. Um, and it's funny because they also threw in this scene. Uh, Chris Locke, who plays Sebastian, mm. who to me he he kind of resembles, I guess, in a character sense, Terrence, because he sort of plays that awkward. You, you know, he's there, yeah, yeah, but he's totally a mystery character. Like you don't. He's there, but you don't know enough about him. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he's kind of playing that that deadpan humor really well, um, where it's like you don't know if he's serious about something or if he's just sort of off the wall. See, I actually find Barb more to be like Terrence, or at least that's how I see her. She's like Terrence in the sense where she she has to be right about something. But she's also very random, and like you said, that whole kind of deadpan humor and also you don't know sometimes if she's telling a joke and she actually had to explain herself to people so yeah i I don't know i just see her more as the terrence in this show that's a good point they they doubled up terrence in this show (laughs) um yeah and one canadian easter egg he is that sebastian says is he calls andrew a real cyril sneer which is actually a nod to a canadian cartoon called the raccoons, which was back in the eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. uh, which at the end credits, the song that they play was, <laughs> I believe, the end credit song that in that show as well, which is called "Run with Us" by Lisa Lockheed, which was, yeah, as I said, the end theme of the song of that show. Yeah, is- I remember Andrew saying in the live on his IG saying how like he was so excited when he realized that they can get that song and get the get the rights to play it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, I love these kind of Easter eggs because, I mean, I grew when I was growing up, I did watch that show. I don't remember mm-hmm. a lot about it, but I remember when I heard that theme song, like, oh yeah, he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, at the end of this, this segment, I mean, Camille gets to the bottom of why he's grinding so hard on the raccoons. I mean, she, she basically says, you know, if you put half the work... Mm. into these sort of raccoons you'd be getting straight A's but at the end uh, we find out that Andrew is afraid to succeed and what that might do for the family dynamic and she sets them straight says you know um, you know taking one step at a time basically for sure and I think the fear that he had was like anybody that's about to graduate university or, or college right it's like what do I do next and for him that's an even bigger step because he already has a family. He kind of skipped over that. Now yeah. he's going back to it. So I can understand the pressure and the fear and the worry that he might have of what is his next step and how does he, like, you know, how does it affect his family, something that's already so stable? I mean, on the other hand, I mean, his kids are pretty grown up, right? They don't really need him. I mean, if you go back to the episode <laughs> Independence Day, you have, like, Leo wanting to walk to school by himself right you have kia who is she's going through a whole school full of things right right? but like as parents now we know i don't think they're ever really grown up in our eyes right like it's no i get that especially at that age they'll still seem like kids to us until they're fully independent you know moving out (laughs) or until they tell us enough it's like i don't need help (laughs) well i think we we get told that all the time right now but (laughs) that's a whole different story i mean we get told that now with a two-year-old so (laughs) 
So, fun fact about this episode for all of those, for all of you fans of Kim's who were always like, well, why do they keep shooting Toronto in the summer? I mean, mm. I mean, uh, you know, it's not always sunny there. There's, yeah. there's fall weather, there's winter weather, which lasts for maybe almost six months of the year. Uh, what's going on so uh, Andrew was saying that this particular episode was shot in the middle of like October and November and <laughs> he basically says for all of you that wanted that kind of shooting yeah. this was brutal it was brutal to shoot this because it was raining and it was cold so yeah they would literally be like huddled under umbrellas and like wrapped up which is I guess it is the nature of of the show because you have to keep repeating these things Mm -hmm. and yeah it's toronto too because we get a wide wide range of weather here so yeah i mean as much as i love to see a halloween and uh and especially a winter episode i think (laughs) i think they do need to do a winter episode of burbs though because especially (laughs) for burbs you need to cover cover snow shoveling oh because they're in a court too exactly because you're gonna have Andrew, he's going to be, like, shoveling everything, even with the snowblower. And then there's going to be a plow that just plows up that, (laughs) all the street right back onto his driveway. And it's like, well, what the heck? And there you go. That's his cold open right there. Mm -hmm. Because it's not a Canadian show without a crap ton of (laughs) snow. I wonder if they would bring in fake snow. (laughs) <laughs> or just time the day. <laughs> I wonder how expensive that would be. I'm sure somebody's already looking into it, but I feel that that's one thing that you need to cover in a Canadian show, especially about the burbs. I mean, you live in a condo. Yes, sure, you can you get away never, with yeah. that. But mm-hmm. yeah, especially burbs. Uh, the next part I just called Ramesh and Kiev just because, mm-hmm. I don't know, I couldn't think of a clever name for it. <laughs> <laughs> but... And I, I and I won't beat this down with with details, but it is an important part of the story and storytelling of the show. And I like how they handle it in a. I felt it was a modern and smart way to mm. show off the f- show and the writers. So uh, the gist is, of course, Ramesh is helping Kia set up decorations for Pride Week at Bubble Bay, which, if you didn't already know. <laughs> and really, you should know at this point, watching the series, it, it's sort of like the hangout. In from the burbs, kind of like uh, in, in Friends, how there was Central Perk or McLaren's and How I Met Your Mother. I can't mm. think of any other examples other than that. But that sort of spot, you know, if they're not yeah. at home, they're this probably is, yeah. there. Right. Um, and uh, we find out that Ramesh doesn't really know that Kia is queer. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And he. You know, he, he's saying that he's an ally, but it sort of takes us through, I guess, his discovery, if you will, mm-hmm. of really what it means to be an ally. Or I, I can't even really say that. I mean, he probably was, but I guess on another level, he he thought of family as the exception to the rule. Is that what you would say? I don't know. Something like sort that. Sort of. And I mean, like, being an ally... Like we all try to be allies, especially in today's world, right? There's there's so much going on, so many things changing all the time. But how do you really be the right ally? And I only like bring this up because at my work we do have an ally program and they talk about it and they they give us information on how to be an ally for different things and hmm. it's 
it really is enlightening. Sometimes you don't think of those things. You you think you're doing the right thing or you think you're saying the right thing and it's like, no, you're actually not. You think you're helping, but you're not. (laughs) And and those are good points because uh, they handle it in two great lines in Mm. this episode that I felt that, I mean, on a lot of other shows, even if, or a show that were like five and stretching it 10 years ago, they probably would have handled it differently. Oh, for right? sure. Like, Absolutely. They would have knocked it down to the parent generation, like parents being told that their their kid is queer or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And and they spend a whole episode kind of working it out and everything, mm-hmm. which is fine, right? But, but it's also a different perspective, right? I feel like this yeah, one's... Yeah, because like, it's from Mesh, mm-hmm. right? But... I feel because he also got to explore that with Camille and Camille basically says to him, we said, we love you. We gave her a hug and we kind of just kept it moving, which yep. again, it's, it is looking at it from Ramesh's point of view, but mm-hmm. at least it shows from the parents generation point of view. Uh, sorry. In the fam's parents generation point of view, just sort of like, you know, it was just fine. We accepted yeah. her for what it was. Right? And I think this this answers very well to a line that Kia said later on, um, yeah. where she said to her grandfather, basically, it's like, did you ask mom if she was okay being straight? Exactly. Yes. And it's like, yeah. So she's trying to make it, f- like, it's normal, like, normalize yeah. this concept of being queer, being gay, like, that whole community. It's like, well, you don't question someone for being straight, so why would exactly. you question me for being queer? Or why would you feel like you need to support me extra for being queer? You know, like, it, it should all be normal. And there's another good line that Kia says, because after Ramesh sort of explains uh, why he feels the way he feels, she says, mm-hmm. you worrying about me is making it harder, period. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just left it at that. And that's a powerful kind of statement to, to throw to back at him. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, we can, I guess we kind of empathize in one sense where Ramesh is coming from. But at the same time, um, you know, between Kia and Camille's lines, it was just punching at that right level of where we're at at 2022. Mm-hmm. Especially, or you where know, we should be. <laughs> well, we're... Everything should be yes. where everything I feel that at least in Canada, in the GTA, how it feels. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's there yet, to be honest. I, I have a lot of friends in the community. And yeah, like when they had kids, there were things that it just gets brought up. But Where it should be in 2022 <laughs> yeah. versus 2010 or Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, right? absolutely. Um so yeah, uh, that's where I felt it was very modern and smart, right? Because mm. they weren't afraid to just go there and just For sure. punch there and like to sh- to show like what it should be and how people should be like thinking about it. And if you were an ally, what is the right thing to say or do, and how to think about the subject? I thought that was really smart, and it really, it was. How should I put this? It was refreshing. And enlightening to see, mm-hmm. right? Like they they try to do the same thing on Kim's the first episode, cold Gay opening, yeah. yeah. And I know we talked about this before, like offline, where that was a different lens it, because the show is from Appa's lens. He is the older generation, yeah. whereas this is from. Although it was from Ramesh's lens, even though yeah. the, he is that generation, but it was also taking 
the approach from what it should be and how it's reflected back. Yeah, I mean, like, even using Kim's as an example, right? He basically had to... It, it was, again, that discovery, that whole episode of, like, discovery. Mm-hmm. But instead, what Burbs did is that he was discovering that he was already way behind. Yeah. Right? Yes. And that's what I like that they did about the situation. Like, mm-hmm. whereas Appa is kind of like, you know, everybody's like, hey, Appa, you know, it's not like that. But yeah. but with Ramesh, it's like, it's already done. Yeah. So... It's like, you should be here already. Be here. If you're an yeah. ally, be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, props to Elias San for nailing Ramesh. I think <laughs> yeah. a lot of these dramatic scenes, he is just killing it and especially since he's not actually that old <laughs> yeah yeah they, they if you don't already know they they aged him up mm-hmm. uh to to be a grandfather but yeah he's he's, he's really not he's not that old <laughs> yeah funny guy though he does a lot of things mm-hmm. and the last part we will cover is called another another stakeout Yes, uh, which you had to explain to me because I had no <laughs> idea what the heck that was. Which we'll go into. Uh, so I'll admit, uh, when the series started, I wasn't a fan of Barb. And it's not because of her performance, it's but because because she character. plays her character so well. Mm-hmm. And she is uh, played by Aurora Brown, who um, she's more famously known for being on Baroness Von Sketch, which mm-hmm. is... Another Canadian Another Canadian show. show, sketch show that has been on many networks and mm-hmm. it is really Super funny. Super successful. Really yeah. funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, after watching this episode, it flipped me because at least we got to explore <laughs> more Barb. Yeah. And um, I guess just to go over the Coles notes, uh, Camille is on the warpath to find out who's been graffitiing. Is that a word? Uh, <laughs> the bench in their cul-de-sac. And we get Ramesh, a.k.a. Daddy, help suggesting <laughs> that Barb help out. And because obvious, at this point, Barb and Ramesh, Ramesh. are dating. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, of course, Camille has not been cool with them dating. I think Camille just overall isn't quite there with her dad dating anybody, to be frank. Or in any type of relationship. Yeah. That, like, romantic relationship, yeah. Even if it involves tying up and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's something from That's a different episode. episode. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but Barb shows up anyway as a favor to Ramesh, and because this also kind of crosses paths with her bylaw infraction yes. kind of uh, position. So Barb suggests that they do a stakeout after watching the movie Another Stakeout, which kind of becomes a running joke because <laughs> uh, she's only seen Another Stakeout, which is a sequel to a movie called Stakeout. <laughs> And she says somewhere along the lines, it's like, you can't have a sequel to a great movie like that. Yep. Anyway, so if you haven't seen that, you can wiki it. Not going to explain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, of course, she comes prepared with coffee, eggs that never go bad, and tuna <laughs> in a can. Uh, what would be worse? Would you eat the eggs that never go bad or drink the tuna water out of a can? Oh, dear Lord. I would rather starve to death. No, if you had to eat one. I don't know. I've never had the tuna water. I've never, I've always drained it. So I don't know what that tastes like. (laughs) But definitely, like the eggs, if it's bad, like it sounded really bad when Camille took a sniff out of him. (laughs) So I I would eat something that's not rotten, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably go with the tuna water, which again, props to Aurora for giving that cringeworthy performance for drinking that water. I thought it was improv too, no? Yeah. They were saying, 
they weren't expecting her to do that and she just kind of went she for it she just went for it <laughs> yeah. and that's that's that that kind of commitment is what makes the difference between a good person <laughs> at their job and a great person she <laughs> she really nailed that mm-hmm. oh yeah i'm just tasting that uh, tuna water now um thank goodness i don't know what that tastes like i might have some ice cream after this though <laughs> <laughs> And later, of course, we find out who it was. It was Leo. The one who, that was graffitiing the bench yeah. all the time. Yep. Yeah. And <laughs> the funny part I found with this was his middle name was Blade, um, which kind of makes me wonder what Kia's middle name is. But Leo Blade fam made me wonder, like, okay, where where's Blade coming from? Which I hope they explore in a future episode. Mm, I'm sure they will. But if ends up being, like, Blade, like Marvel's Blade because of something Andrew Pham was thinking. Um, yeah, that's that's my guess right now. It has to do with Blade, the vampire hunter Blade. Do you know who Blade is? That's Marvel? Yeah. I did not know that. I've watched all the movies. Yeah, it's a Marvel. Oh. I can, oh, I can spend the rest of this podcast explaining this. <laughs> I didn't know like i watched the movies yeah i didn't know it was a marvel thing i don't ever remember seeing the marvel credits rolling but yeah well that was that was before (laughs) anyway i won't go too far into it but yeah (laughs) i I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes a a thing where where they explain that you know they named him blade because they watched the movie blade or blade three at that time yeah yeah you know like when you said all of this before you explained the Marvel bit, I was like thinking in my head, I think uh, they probably named him after the, the vampire dude, Blade. <laughs> vampire dude. <laughs> so I guess we're talking about the same guy. Well then. <laughs> well, we'll see. Maybe there'll be a cooler story, but uh, I'm putting my, my money on the table for For that Blade, Blade. yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, we find out the importance of the bench for both of them. Camille says that she first sat there, it was sort of a turning point for her because she saw everything happening all at once because she wasn't sure of how life was going to be moving into that house, Mm -hmm. but then she saw the blockbuster, she saw the kids, she even saw Sebastian. Yeah, she could picture her life, pretty much, which is really important, right? Especially when you're making a big move. You, if you can't see yourself there, it's it's hard. It's very hard. And I think the bench, in my mind, will have other significance to the other characters later on. Mm, uh, like just, that, that one place that everyone has a story for. Yeah, because I mean, and this was Leo's story too, because he was with Jojo, and they had I don't mm. remember the exact thing. Whenever he goes on those Moby Jojo stories, <laughs> I just I I kind of tune out. I think right. I, I think I'm becoming a you don't want to know (laughs) well no he was saying it was because they had a good time and she she wanted to remember it right and then they they drew the picture and then he drew a picture of her for her yeah and what you find out later in the season she kisses him or something oh i gotta remember that yeah oh last episode don't um, think I want to remember that, I guess, because it's the parent thing blocking things out. <laughs> it's like, what? My kid kissing at that age? Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to think about that. <sighs> but yeah, um, it'd be, it would be cool to see that the, the bench comes back, especially for Kia and Andrew in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, maybe that's how the show closes out, that Andrew is sitting out 
on the bench and decides that it's time to move away from the burbs to move on with oh, life. Like, you're planning too far. Yeah, I, I'm thinking way, way too far, and I, I burned myself that with this with Kim's. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it'd be cool if the, the bench had some sort of significance later on. Just well, the saying. bench was in the cold opening of the first episode. The people were sitting on the bench? Yeah, the old people, remember? He right, waved at them. Right, right. And then he was like, one, one trip, trip, baby! baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was there. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, props to Roman Piscino for killing it as Leo. I mean, the guy is like, (laughs) is he under 10? He's something like that. He's really young. Oh, Uh, okay. I I love that line that he he really nailed. He's like, you're psychic, mom. We have to monetize this. (laughs) But um, it's just so cute because he still has... Like, even though he acts so mature, he still has that child innocence to him. Yeah, though, yeah, exactly. Like, he has, throughout the, yeah, throughout the series, he's shown that, that maturity through everything. Like, mm-hmm. even when uh, that episode where he's dealing with death with Ramesh. Right. And again, I love the whole Ramesh interacting with the grandkids because mm-hmm. he really gets to play this mature role with everybody. Mm-hmm. And... um yeah, like basically, he's this old man trapped in a little kid's body. <laughs> Would you say little kid? Well, teenager maybe. Young, he's not a teen. He's a tween at best. Okay. okay. But but basically, he already knows where he needs to be with everything. I mean, other than the graffitiing the bench, that 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 was a bit. You know, he, he's still a kid. But I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of like childhood innocence, like that he demonstrates. Which which is natural, right? Like, kids always try to act like they're so old. Kids mm-hmm. always try to act like they, they've already done it all and they don't want your advice. They don't need any of that. Although he, he's a bit better. He's not as rebellious. Mm-hmm. Uh, or his character, sorry. And re- despite the fact that we see our kids growing up or you see, you know, families' kids growing up and how mature they try to act and independent, there's always those moments where... These little things come up and you're like, oh, you're still a child. You're just a kid. Yeah. And he has, he brings like the writers, I'm pretty sure are the ones that's putting those lines in, but Leo's the one that's delivering it, right? So it's, it's amazing. Yeah. He's, he's really, well, I feel that he's really nailing it in this series. And fun fact is that he was one of the first cast members to be cast. Mm. Uh, I think it was because it seemed that he had great synergy with Andrew. And I don't remember what the exact story was, but something about something about his dad as well. Yeah, and his dad was very like supportive, and he was always there, and he's always on set and trying to keep him on track. But then Roman was already yeah. always on already on track on his own. He knew his own lines, he knew where his script was, and he didn't really need his dad. But his dad's always there. Yeah, which... that's that's one thing that Andrew was saying is mm-hmm. that actually both kids were always on the ball. There were they're better prepared than the adults in mm-hmm. terms of doing their their thing. For sure. And I think um, it makes sense that his synergy worked very well with Andrew because I think, well, Andrew being a dad of two two boys, two boys yeah. he's used to that. And also, like, I feel like Roman has a lot of those qualities that Andrew's kids has too, mm-hmm. except Andrew's kids are much younger, of course. But yeah. Yeah, like, like, you can see the similarities. Yeah, another thing Andrew was saying is that uh, with Kia, who's played by Zoraya Wong, mm-hmm. um, is that he actually had to talk to Zoraya's 
dad to kind of get a sense of like how he interacts with his teenage daughter. It's like, how do I interact with daughters? Because, <laughs> of course, like, as you said, that he has two boys. Yeah. So who, he had that fear. It's like, I don't know how this works. But I guess it kind of works, too, because teenagers are sort of on their own and kind of independent. So I guess he can kind of get away with that as well. I think, I don't know. I guess, like, as a parent, if you've never been through it, you might not know, like, the awkwardness of a dad trying to interact with a daughter because you know there there are those things that you don't want to talk about probably and mm. you're kind of like go ask your mom <laughs> this is this is weird <laughs> right but yeah there was that one cold open and i don't remember the episode exactly but he was basically the wrestler oh, oh carol the conqueror right yes um auntie carol yeah mm-hmm. uh because he was coming in as a wrestler and then kids like get lost yep it's like i'm too old for this <laughs> unless you're giving me money <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, um, another good episode to check out other than this one that uh, we might cover another day was Independence Day, which I thought was a good lead-up to this one, because mm. uh, it talks about Barb and Ramesh, how they kind of how it they started. start to interact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of good interaction between Andrew and, and uh, Leo. And as well, a good story of, of Camille and Kia about... Yeah, like the mother-daughter bond and yeah. like the father-son bond. Although the father-son bond, I guess, could could still be a mother-son bond. Yeah, I don't know about that because I don't have a son. And our kid's a little too young, so... Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. So again, if you haven't seen Run the Burbs, uh, you should. Give it a chance. Uh, and we're sorry for all the spoilers if you haven't seen it and we're yeah, talking and all about it. Yeah, if you've been listening to all this, I... I don't know. We, we probably ruined at least a quarter of the season, but it is still worth watching. <laughs> and you know what? You'll, you'll find something else funny. I thought Raccoon Fever, this episode, was probably one of the funniest for the season. Just because I have a lot of inside knowledge of probably what affected or what built on these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because, like, like you said... Anyone that lives in the burbs, yeah, we know those raccoon issues. Friggin' raccoons. Like, Andrew has it more because he keeps his compost outside all the time, just like Andrew Pham does. Whereas, at least for us, or most of our neighbors that I know of, we keep it in the garage, so we only deal with it once a week. Yeah, well, they got the big Toronto bins or whatever bins, so they can't really stick it in the garage. Mm, I, I kind of would have to agree with, like, Jonathan's line. It's like... Why can't you just put it in? Because clearly he oh, does, right? right. <laughs> so yeah, uh, catch it on CBC Gem if you're in Canada. I know they are looking at an international release mm-hmm. somehow, sometime, hopefully soon. soon. They keep saying soon. Yeah, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Whenever you see that, just binge the whole thing. <laughs> it's a fun watch. So, as always, if you have any comments, questions, or stories to share, tweet me at MikeYUAN82. Until the next time. Burbies! <laughs> <laughs>